subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. It's the Bleeders Digest Season 1 Wrap-Up. I'm Trevor. I'm Lauren. I'm Chrissy. And I'm Spider. So thank you for joining us at time of release as we close out 2021 and head into Season 2 in 2022. So we thought we'd get together and take a quick look back at the stories and process behind some of the stories of our debut journey into these original narrative short-form horror tales that we've been creating for you each week. No, it was a, that was such a fun season and it actually ended up going longer than we imagined it was going to. So it was just great to hear everyone's feedback and made us want to just keep going. And some amazing guests and some also some some guest writers as well that we got to play with. Definitely. That was really awesome. So it all kind of started with episode one, The Whisper, written by Spider, which I hold dear to my heart as kind of the, I don't know, the... Uh, the litmus test of what the project would kind of look, feel, and sound like, and it blew me the fuck away. So, Spider, what can you tell us about creating the whisper? Yeah, I mean, I I think that I'm trying to remember the beginnings of that story. I feel like I had a similar idea that I was considering making a short film, but in the film version, the whisper came in the form of uh, text messages. But then I. I started to get burned out on there were so many movies and, uh, you know, horror projects based around, you know, haunted apps and websites. And, you know, so it just seems to me kind of played out. And then so kind of rethought the idea with an actual sort of spirit, ghost slash whisper, whatever you want to call it, seemed much more classic horror and scary anyway. So, um I think that's how that one came to be. And then when we recorded it, yeah, I had no idea, you know, having never really done any voiceover acting, how it would turn out and uh, was pleasantly surprised. And then once we added all this, the uh, sound design, you know, that's what really made it scary. Yeah, I would dude. I was like super stoked on your performance on that, by the way. It's so yeah. good, man. You're a natural. And then Chrissy, like this oh, is your yeah. <laughs> was this the first time, Chrissy, that you actually had sound designed one of the stories or had you done Spider Lady or it happened to us prior to working on The Whisper? The first story we did was it happened to us. Um, and that so that was the first thing. And I kind of that was crazy because going into actually making that it would it was only a concept and it, it was a lot of like us speaking to each other and Lauren and I sending things back and forth. And then, you know, we would all talk, but I, I kind of didn't know what, you know, what, really what it was going to be. And so, yeah, when we did it happen to us, it was, uh, yeah, I kind of was like, okay, now what do I do with this? What do, where do I take this? And, I think even since those earlier ones, which I actually think have really cool vibe, like the whisper and it happened to us, like 
we've gone even further since later on, obviously we'll get into that with the sound, but, um, but yeah, I felt a lot of pressure doing those first two because I, it was like, yeah, like you said, it was kind of setting the tone for what we were going to do moving forward. And I was just hoping that given that there's four of us, you guys, you know, would respond to what I did in the, with that. So it, it was kind of, yeah, it was an experiment, but it, it ended up working out really well. And, and I thought both stories came out so great and it was a pleasant surprise sort of. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it kind of, it really kind of set the the model as to how the whole project would go as far as like how much stuff actually gets the sound effect, what, what elements, uh, you know, how much music to use. And it really kind of develops, like I said, the look and feel of all the stories moving forward. Yeah, no, it was really true. It was like, just, you know, obviously we'll get to, I mean, since we're already talking about it, like with it, it happened to us, like, I feel like I went more sound effect heavy and I did incorporate some music, but I was, you know, I was kind of just testing it out. And then I realized the more I added, the cooler it felt. So then when I did the whisper, it was really fun to play with, you know, my voice as the whisperer. And it was really like, you know, try to make when I, uh, was it Angelo Demetrius gets his head bashed in? Was it him or? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How gross that was. Or, you know, it, it happened to us using a lot of axe murder sounds. That was really cool. And I was this, I was like, this is going to actually be a lot of fun. And it just kind of really got me excited about just doing a lot of them. I think by the time we released, we had like what, like 11 or 14 episodes done, ready to go, which was really great. I think it was something like that. Yeah. I love the way that gore plays out with sound. I'm curious about how that would be, but it's almost even more impactful when you don't see it and your brain is kind of making up what that must look like. And especially with that moment you're talking about with a kid getting his head, head bashed in, it really sticks with you. Yeah, it really does. It, it was is really gross. There's, you know, a few moments in both of those that I was like, oh, God, this is hard to listen to. And that that to me was the most exciting part. What else can we do? How far can we push it in the next one? And yeah, and then the second one, a uh, second story, it's Spider Lady. I knew because we had talked about it right from the beginning. They're like, we should definitely get these some guests on here, some like cool celebrity guests. And I just done a film with Bonnie Aarons and I was like, Oh, her voice is so unique. And, and I I came up with the story kind of around her voice and just, I really wanted it to feel different than the other two. So that was kind of a fun one too, because I incorporated more music and it felt more like, you know, like a film, like a little bit more, you know, maybe could appeal to kids too, even though it was really disgusting. It was more bug related versus like, you know, bashing a kid's face in which is cool. <laughs> well, Bonnie, she's a sound effect by herself. So we didn't really, you know, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. I remember when I think it was Jade who was listening to the story, the spider lady. And she was like, I, I don't like this lady. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm like, what did she do to you? She didn't do anything to you. But at the same time, she was really in, I was like, do you want me to turn it off? And she's like, no, well, there's some kind of mesmerizing <laughs> yeah. about Bonnie's delivery in that and paired with the music and everything that you that you chose on that, Chrissy, that you kind of can't turn away from it. It pulls you in. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's well, you know, it makes sense that Jay would be scared since she was like totally the appropriate age for uh, Bonnie's prey in that story. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, props and thank you to Bonnie for 
being our first celebrity guest and for, you know, it was such an experiment at the time because we didn't really have much to show her. She just trusted us and went for it, which was really awesome. And also gave us an example for other people, like when we got into the feed and, you know, Spencer came in and that's, that's a, that's a Trevor story, but that it was cool to have those two guys really early because they both did a really great job. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a really fun one. That was my kind of first endeavor into this. And, uh, I had a ton of fun doing that. And Spencer Charnas was obviously really gracious to, to do that for us. And, uh, he's in this band, if you don't know, called ice nine kills and they've released their past two albums. Anyway, uh, every song on these albums are dedicated to a different horror film. He's a massive horror fan and uh, he's been on uh, our, our Lauren and I's interview podcast, the boo crew a number of times. And we are always chomping at the bit to get him involved in something like this. So it was great to have him kind of play this podcaster. <laughs> and where did that story come from? Well, it's because the boo crew is the interview show that we do out of the house. And it's always kind of, it started off as a weird experiment when people come over to this studio address and realize that it's a house. So it kind of was inspired by that. You know, we've had a couple guests come over and they look a little apprehensive when they're standing yeah. at the doorway and they realize, oh shit, what's going on here? I'm at a house, right? Exactly. There are some that... Oh well, yeah, actually like including us, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? It's an interesting sh- social experiment, but uh, yeah, you never know how it'll go. It's true. Hey, Trevor, you, uh, I mean, you, was this your first time writing a story or had you written stuff in the past you know what i think the last time i'd actually done any full-on creative writing like an original story was probably high school so wow. yeah this That's is impressive. honestly the the very first time and directly inspired by not only what you guys did but obviously like i love reading tales from the crypt and creepy and all those old ec comics and horror stories and uh, i'm a huge fan of all that stuff and grew up listening to radio plays so you know, kind of had that in my back pocket as far as inspiration, but I did not know how I would actually be at doing it. And I still think I have a long way to go, but it's, it's definitely been, been fun to try. And I encourage anyone listening, try it. <laughs> and if you have ideas, send us some. Was it daunting for you? Like having not written in so long, did you just sit in front of a blank screen and scratch your head or did it come pretty quickly? No, for sure. It probably took two weeks to actually come around and come up with some sort of theme I liked and then go back and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. I mean, the story's not all that long. I mean, it's about, you know, 15 minutes, but when you break that down into pages, that's, that's a fair amount of pages. You know, you get, you guys know, you guys have done stories that are a 40 minute mark. And at that point you're looking at a full television show episode, pretty much it was not an easy thing to do. And then really when you get into the post-production process, which I have a fair amount of experience just doing that kind of stuff in radio. But when you look at it long form as a, you know, doing it over a, a story and, and creating a world through sound and just how much freedom you have and, and how not that you don't want to overdo it, but you don't want to underdo it. That took probably the longest and that was interesting to kind of dive into. Yeah, I bet. Well, you know, you did the right thing, too, because you wrote what you knew and you wrote something that was close to you. Because that I feel like once you once you start, then it kind of flows a little bit more. Whereas if people who try to, you know, write something they don't really know or isn't really close to them. That would be the worst thing to do for a first story. Yeah. And I think it was Spider who might have said, like, 
as a piece of advice, I, I believe it was Spider that to have like your ending first, like your, your your twist ending first, and to kind of work backwards from that. Because if you've got that, I think that's yeah. that's almost everything. Um, so yeah. I found that would be a helpful thing. Yeah, I definitely think that's if you can. That's definitely in writing kind of rule number one because at least you have a, a destination to end up that you know. You could start with a great character, a great world, great premise. But if you don't know, OK, at the end, this guy's going to die or this guy's going to live or this guy's going to transform into a butterfly. You know, you do, it's, it's tough to get there. Right. If you know that, then you can come up with all kinds of great twists and turns to end up in your. <laughs> We're going to have a tea party. Over here. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's Speaking of that very thing, the tapes of King's Chapel with episode number five which uh, is a is a fan favorite of, of quite a few people. Did you come up with the ending first of this discovery of the tapes and the person actually, I mean, the spoiler alert, the person actually hearing themselves as one of the tapes? Yeah, I think I had that. I mean, I think that one was dual, that it was very much based on uh, just the world and the you know, of, of taking place in Boston and Kenmore Square and a used record shop. It, 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 that was my world you know, I, I knew that environment so well and the time frame of, of taking place in the late 80s. And so, you know, that was probably the catalyst. But I, you know, in, in the, the fact that possession or is, or, you know, is, is traditionally been some of the scariest stuff. So you just wanted to find a way to incorporate that. And then having these basically possessed cassette tapes was, uh, the uh, you know I, I always knew I wanted it to to the cassette tapes to essentially become alive and, and talk back to this guy, um, but then I think at the, the very end I I didn't have where the the young priest uh, who sell who sells him the tapes comes back at the end, which it almost sort of gives a co- almost a comical ending, you know, um, when he shows up at the guy's doorstep. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that one was probably more inspired by the world first, uh, but I quickly figured out where it was going for sure. I feel like, too, that episode was where all of our um, sound design sort of changed because we're like, oh, we went further with that. And I remember like doing the post and really messing with a lot of I spent a lot of time on the exorcism tapes and the tape sounds. And and then I feel like at least for me, it gave me more freedom realizing, oh, we should actually go even further, more, more, more. So, you know, then the later episodes that feel like everybody went even more nuts, even your, your next episode that you did with Bill Trev, which I know we'll get to, it's like you went crazy with the sound design. And I feel like that kind of shifted right there. Yeah. And again, inspired by what you guys created on tapes of King's chapel and that notion of using sound as um, a weapon, a weapon. Yeah. Like weaponizing sound and playing with, peaking volume and just kind of simple ideas like that to achieve almost like a, a, a sonic version of a jump scare is so effective. I think we learned, you know, so, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I think, yeah, we definitely start with each passing episode. We learned something new that worked. And I think the, yeah, with tapes, we, we learned how far we could go sonically. And then, yeah, you started to learn there's peaks and valleys just to, as you create in a, a film you know, visually, you can do that with just the audio or we get very quiet. And then, yeah, and then you blast the audience with some horrifying sound effect. You know, um, it's interesting how it all works the same. 
And speaking of sound design, Mr. Nobody, episode six, written by Lauren here. Yeah. That was a, gosh, that was an adventure in uh, sound design building. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah, it was. It was a long story. You were just telling me the other day, you cannot write a short story, like a super short story. I don't know what that looks like. Like in my head, there's just so much going on and I just cannot, (laughs) I cannot, I tried like every time I'm like, I'm going to make this shorter. And then I'm like, shit, there's so many pages. Like, (laughs) you know, the details are so big and I, I just don't know how to write it short story and as a sound designer as you know chrissy that that's almost like a nightmare to see right <laughs> your script and you're yeah, like, no, you're like oh, shit. oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah no. it, it's a lot more work but it's definitely lauren classically has like the longest stories for sure but i think that mr nobody there was also a lot of music and to me i always say this it felt like kind of you know Coraline or something like almost like a really really scary kids movie which was cool because i felt like that we really needed that and i love i'm lauren can tell but i love the story of where the idea came from yeah which is our i mean she still has this imaginary friend named mr nobody which is just really creepy if you have a kid who talks about doing things with someone that doesn't exist and their name is mr nobody and she would say i would just ask her what does Mr. Nobody look like and she would always say he looks like nobody I've ever seen before and so she's created this imaginary being that plays with her and just she'll be talking to herself like to someone in in the corner and I always it just it's super creepy um (laughs) so you know it scared us luckily Mr. I mean when she was four, she walked out of the house and <laughs> decided to walk to a friend's house and our security had to pick her up. And I always wonder if Mr. Nobody had something to do with I that. <laughs> well, apparently real Mr. Nobody is a snail, right? With googly eyes or something. Yeah, we made him a little more scary. <laughs> a little bit more scary. Is, is Mr. Nobody the, like a, a man-sized snail or just like a tiny snail? It's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I think so when the story was done and she heard it, she was just like, Mr. Nobody does not like that, Mr. Nobody. And I think. Oh, Oh, it angered him. Yeah. (laughs) And I think maybe she said it was a snail after the fact to make it sound cuter because she was scared of what we had created. Well, isn't it weird that your kid, the one kid you have that hates scary stuff, has the scariest, (laughs) weirdest thing of imaginary friend? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not scary. Yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah, that's where that story came from. Just what would a Mr. Nobody look like? What would he do? How would he help a kid? And then, you know, it was really fun to make. Everything about doing a Mr. Nobody Part 2. Ooh. Ooh. You ever want to do the Mr. Nobody sequel? Like, Mr. Ooh, he's an adult. Or you could call it Mr. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so going into episode seven, which is, uh, again, I, I don't know how, how spoilery are we allowed to get? Are we allowed to get pretty spoilery with this stuff? Well, I feel like at this point, every, everybody's listened to them, I would hope, if they're listening to the wrap-up show. So I think we can do spoilers. Well, people still listen every week to 
There's new people all the time. Yeah. Well, just don't listen to the wrap up show. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, STFU shut the fuck up is kind of like really the first, um, maybe is it the first and only one that's got kind of a sci-fi undertone to it? That one and um, keep me safe all through the night. But yeah, yeah, otherwise I think that's it. Yeah. Shut the fuck up was I had it originally as a short, film I was going to, I was going to make. And I was, you know, it was during COVID and I was like, oh, this is something we could shoot simply that would be really effective and really scary. And then when we really started doing this, I was like, you know, I feel like, yeah, we needed the sci-fi element. And also just the fact that the creatures and stuff that were in the house and the creature sounds, I felt like that was a really cool, different vibe of a story that was really complementary to what we had released so far. And that one is still one of my favorites. I, I just think that there's something about, you know, you think something's a natural disaster and you think you understand what it is. And then it's something completely different. Right. Again, I'd like that killer twist. Now, did you do the same thing? Come up with the twist and write backwards? Yeah. Yeah. Like I had the twist. I generally always have the ending before I write the stories, but that uh, the story itself kind of evolved a few times in when it was going to be a short film. But then when it came to actually doing the bleeders version, I knew what it was going to be. And also props. We have to give a shout out to Tyler Connolly, who helped with like a lot of the stories engineering. And he, he did a lot of voices. Yeah. I would just go up and be like, hey, yeah. you're going to be a main character in this episode. And I'm sorry, I never told you, but here you go. So, <laughs> yeah, he was great in all this stuff. Is he has he done like straight up acting before besides you know being in music videos no. and, and things like that? No, not at all. We have a joke because once in a while, like we've been friends for a thousand years and he would help me do auditions and be a reader. And I would make him wear a pillowcase on his head because he'd laugh the whole time. And it was so annoying. And so it's like an actual joke. And then, yeah. And, but he does really, he does really well, but he's a singer, you know, and when you're a singer of a band, you're comfortable in a studio, you're safe in a studio. So it makes sense why him and Spider both who don't necessarily act are really, they do really well in this environment i could never act it see my some it, it, it's yeah there, there is something about being more anonymous when it's just your voice and you can you know as opposed to real acting where people can see your stupid face making weird expressions <laughs> and stuff it's really embarrassing but yeah just doing voices is, is really fun yeah i guess like yeah that that whole idea of what you're doing with your body if you had to enact reenact these stories in physical form would be another thing to have to think about, which is God, it makes you think about how difficult it would be to be an actor. I mean, Chrissy knows probably more so than any of us about just what it takes to be in front of a camera and actually doing this and the thought process that goes into the many different layers of bringing these characters to life as opposed to just using your voice. I mean, did you find it to be, well, you, but you're, you're the opposite. So you've had a, a career of using your voice. So did you find then I guess more do more of an acting situation easy to fall into or was it, was it difficult? No, I think it's still a, a little bit difficult because it requires less. I don't know. It requires more of a natural approach. And a lot of the stuff that I've done through radio and everything is a bit more projected, I guess, and delivery, the delivery is yeah. different. Yeah. And announcer's voice is not necessarily a natural speaking cadence. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the opposite. So to kind of try and let go of that, 
is a constant struggle too. So it's been very, very interesting for me as, as far as that goes. More of part one of the Bleeders Digest season one wrap up after this. Episode number eight would be our first haunted house story. Yeah, the Decker house. Oh, oh, the Decker house. Yeah, that's one of mine. That was um, very much a, you know, classic. Let's combine the shining with the Amityville horror. But, uh, you know, start off. I, I most of my stories feature a lot of despicable lead characters. So this time I wanted to have the people be nice, likable people, which was, you know, it's always a little more challenging writing that sometimes for some reason. Um, Cause it seems, it seems kind of dull to me like, Oh, they're so nice doing normal things. But uh, then I guess when horrible things happen to them, it's, it's that much more effective. Up next is probably, geez, this was a hard one to listen to in it the was. best way, in the best yeah, way. It was. Well, Chrissy warned me. Yeah, right. And I remember what we were. I think she warned everybody. Yeah. yeah. So I remember. And I was like, oh, man, what could possibly be in store with this? And <laughs> sure as shit, I remember listening to it. And honestly, like my first gut reaction, how far is too far? But that yeah. same reaction had me obsessed with it going. Fuck. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, yeah, I felt like my sick little friend when when I wrote it, I knew I really wanted to do a serial killer story. And I personally find that to be the scariest thing ever. Like any movie that's a real person torturing, killing another person is like nightmare material. And so I really wanted to do kind of that classic story, like, you know, some of the shows I love where you really dive into the interviews with these people or even just documentaries or, you know, you can deep dive into some of these famous serial killers and watch interviews. And I thought I always find them to be just fascinating. So I wanted to model this story differently than we had kind of done in any other story where it was just a conversation. There was no narration. And I was like, well, who would be a great person to, to do this story. And Adam Bush, who is an incredible actor, who's been in a few films that I've directed, he has this deep passion for serial killers, as do I. So when I wrote the script or the, the story, I guess I sent it to him and he was like super into it. And he's like, you combined all the things we love. You combined all these different killers and all these different ideas into this one story. And um and I just knew I wanted the twist to kind of pay off differently. So when you actually find out that the girl is his victim and not someone who's just interviewing him, I didn't want it to just end there. I felt like it needed to be uncomfortable and it, I felt like it worked, you know, going into what we had talked about with sound design, how it can just really mess with you if, if you, you know, go far enough. And yeah, I was really happy with how that turned out, but I also knew, you know, that there is, some content in that story that wasn't going to be for everybody. And I, I remember telling Lauren and, and you Trev that I was like, we have to put an extra, an extra warning on this one. You know, it's, it just, it's, it's a little bit further than we've pushed anything else. And I do really love that our, our podcast in particular, we don't really 
censor ourselves. We, we really, it's true to the genre and all the different subgenres. We just go for it if that's what the story calls for. So I, I like that we do that. But yeah, this one, I, I didn't want people to not have a warning. His performance, I think, is also what really takes it over the top because it re- it's very realistic. What was it like kind of directing his performance of the character when you guys were recording it? Was it was this kind of like his first take and his first approach and your first time hearing him do it? Yeah, you know, um, because I know Adam fairly well, like because I had directed him before and I know the way he delivers things and and his his vibe. This, we always joke that this is so true to him. Like he might really be a serial killer deep down because he, he does have this element to him, which honestly he would take as a huge compliment. <laughs> so when he came in and did it, we talked on the phone after he read it and he was really excited and had some, had some ideas about, you know, just because he's like me and deep dives in the serial killer world. So um, he came in and he just was like, hang on a second. And he opens up his backpack and he had like, ice and tequila and like a glass. And he was like, I need to drink this. So I speak slower. And he had this whole process that was hilarious that he traveled with it when he, we very easily could have gave him a drink. Oh, that is fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And he just went in there. And um, I remember I did a few of my lines opposite first. And then when he went in, he did it on his own. We just went through his lines and honestly, maybe he did a couple takes of a few lines, but most of it was his, pure organic performance, which is what I tend to love, especially when I bring in real actors, because your first instinct is often very true and it's scarier. So, um, yeah, he just killed it. He was so great and so scary. So I went back in and messed with a few of my lines and then he stuck around and listened to me doing it. And, you know, so then there was a couple things he did. And so it was kind of cool because it was pretty collaborative and, um, he's just such an awesome actor. He, I find him super inspiring. So yeah, he, he just was incredible. And I hope that if this is ever made a movie, he could play the serial killer. And then spider did, was your first time hearing the final product once it was all wrapped or were you in studio while this is happening? Uh, no, this one, I wasn't there. A lot of them I'm there for all of them, but I was not. So it was, uh, it was all fresh to me. I think as we started doing more of these, I enjoyed, letting them you know hearing them when they're completed you know this was the first one i think that he did that and then i think after that he started i would be like hey do you want to hear what i have and he's like no i want to hear it done yeah i agree it's kind of fun it's a fun reveal right (laughs) yeah so uh it was yeah that was a cool one to hear you know and adam is is definitely a very talented guy and we always joke that he just seems like a serial killer anyway. So it's yeah. <laughs> even though he's like the nicest guy on the planet, <laughs> but that's how they get you. Yeah. They're always, you know, they're charming. charming. Yep. <laughs> and then spider had uh, got to play the role of a, of a killer on episode number 10, take a hike. Uh, Lauren. Original. That's right. You were the killer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's, you know, that wasn't hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, what can you tell us about Take a Hike? Uh, Take a Hike. That was the first story that I wrote. That was. And I haven't written since I helped Scarlett with her homework, which is not a lot of writing. So that was the first story that I wrote. And I played a character, which is really something that 
as my kids would say, was cringe for me. (laughs) But I'm glad that I did it and got it out of my system. And hopefully we'll never return to that again. (laughs) You don't like you don't like hate acting. Hate it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, we forced her into that. Remember, we yeah. were like, hey, Lauren, like, I feel because it felt like a lot of the dialogue in that story was so Lauren and how she yeah. speaks. And that's and sometimes there is no one better to be the character than the person who actually wrote it, because you're speaking from, for, for yourself. So I thought I thought you did great, but I well, understand it you. is hard to watch yourself. It's hard to listen to yourself. So but it, I thought you did great. But you do you. Uh, the boot crew multiple times a week. Aren't you used to hearing like, what's the difference for you between just being yourself and being a character? That's a good question. I would say, I mean, this is just a conversation. And I think that like when we do interviews, it's just a conversation. But I feel there's a lot of pressure when you're acting and you want because you see this role in this character in your head and I didn't feel like I was adequate enough to bring this person that I see in my head to life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you feel a little vulnerable when you? Yeah. Do, yeah. Definitely. So you're saying you didn't, you don't feel inspired to do more of it. You feel like you don't want to do more of it. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I can do small stuff. I think like I was in bones for. A few lines. I think carrying a whole story is different than just coming in and out of a story. Right. Having a smaller well, role. Well, I feel like too, Lauren's stories in particular, and I can say this for sure because I was the main character in Bones, is because her stories are so long and so dialogue heavy. It is kind of like a marathon, right? So you yeah. get it's like a lot of you by the end of even if you're like this is awesome and it turned out awesome it's like yeah if, if you're uncomfortable at all listening to your own voice it's that's a lot of listening to your own voice so i totally understand it it's a lot of words well there's <laughs> still plenty of episodes to go so who knows we might get uh lauren on stage yet no. once again <laughs> so we go to episode number 11 the buzz of the last dying fly and this is an interesting one because i mean spider plays opposite himself really in this one yeah i mean this one was the most arty farty one i think for me which is probably why i like it one of the best for me one of my favorites um again based on a script that i wrote for a short that never got shot and uh, yeah, I just wanted it to be this one was kind of for me all vibe because the scare was basically what this guy was seeing in his head that the devil was showing him. So it's a def- definitely a different challenge as you know, opposed to someone getting their head chopped in half or or a ghost. You know, it was um, it was and I wasn't sure if it was going to work. But again, sound design came to the rescue in terms of giving it a real tone and changing the, the voice of the devil, you know, to be more ominous and you know, we pitched it down a, a, an octave or whatever. And so when it was all said and done, I was really happy with the way it turned out. Yeah. I feel like that one, especially the, uh, the doing that whole hell sequence was really fun because you're like, well, what, what does hell sound like? What does it like look like in your mind? And that was really fun to mess with. You did a lot of weird stuff. But yeah, that one was, uh, like I said, I, for me, just writing wise, 
was definitely one of my favorites, even though it's sort of like one of those ones that I think, you know, maybe isn't, I mean, who knows? It's very difficult to know what people respond to because there's, you know, the audience is kind of anonymous unless they leave comments. So, yeah, I, I feel like that one might get overlooked as a, you know, as a standout in terms of pure horror. But for me, um, it's one of my favorite uh, character studies. You know what I mean? Well, that brings us to episode number 12. Keep me safe all through the night. And another story from Chrissy. This one was really fun. Um, I actually am a stepmom. And so I always feel like there is elements and I've been lucky because my, the kids are so awesome and we have such fantastic relationship, but there is an element at the beginning where you kind of feel like the alien in the room, you know? And so I thought there was something interesting about that idea. And it's a lot of it is actually really based on real things. Like my, uh, the youngest stepson, he was a total sleepwalker and like would get up and have full conversations and do all this weird. So it was freaky sometimes. Like, you know, you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you'd be standing in the hall outside your door and it scared the shit out of you. I find this one really scary. Um, the idea of, you know, finding out the person that you trust and that you live with isn't human and not to mention that you're carrying their baby and they're going to keep coming back for you forever. Not to mention what is, what is the baby going to be when she has it? So I, I thought that was really fun. And other than real people, I find that aliens are the second scariest thing in my opinion and sharks. So I really wanted to do one story <laughs> and actually keep me safe all through the night. I think was one of like the first couple stories we ever had. And I just had, we had a bunch and we just had to pick when they would come out, when it made sense. And so we were, you know, we obviously wanted to space out the, the two sci-fi style stories. So it ended up coming out later in the season, but, but it was an earlier story, which, you know, I was, I ended up being really happy with. Was that one actually written in particular for this podcast project or did, did you actually write on the experience beforehand? No, it was for this podcast, but it was kind of like what I was saying about you with the feed. I, I think that, you know, write what you know. And a lot of this was pretty true. Obviously, I don't think I mean, maybe he is, but I don't think Spider is really an alien. But there was I, there was a there was this crazy story um, when his youngest son was really young. I was home alone with the kids and Spider was away doing a show and I heard this strange sound and it actually is in the story. And it was like this really fast, weird talking. And I opened his bedroom door and he was like propped up staring at the corner of the ceiling in the dark, like going, really Oh my fast. God, that would be terrifying. Um, it was so scary. And I froze and I, I watched this probably for a solid minute, not knowing what to do. Like, should I, cause you're not supposed to wake a sleepwalker. You're in like, so you're like, is he like, what's he, who's he talking? And then I'm like looking up at the dark corner and I'm like, I don't see anything. I don't know. And then he stops and he looks directly at me and he goes, hi, Chrissy. And I, and like, just like in the story. And I was like, I slammed his door. I, I, I got so scared. And obviously he just went back to sleep, but I watched friends the whole night that night. I was so scared. And that was when I was like, whoa, the sleepwalking thing is crazy. And it, it kind of got in my head. Like, what if it isn't really sleepwalking? What if he's talking to something? What if, you know? So, he was talking to Mr. Nobody. Right? Yeah, he might have been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and friends, of course, being the ultimate palate cleanser. 
Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, I had a really hard time sleeping. I don't even think I told Spider about it for two days because it freaked me out so bad. I didn't want to talk about oh, it. Oh my God. So now it's in the story. <laughs> yeah. And then we have episode 13. We're dead halfway through season one. So that would be mom's new friend and a terrific guest star, the iconic Kelly Maroney. Oh my God. She was so amazing. So so when I wrote this story, I, it was, this was actually supposed to be a short film. And this one almost has like the gross out creepy factor, even more than, this. you know, of course, we hadn't done a vampire story. So I knew I wanted to do something with vampires. And yeah, the vampire moments are scary. But I think ultimately the twist in the story is so disgusting that people are just you know, or like, can't believe we really released it. Um, you know, no one really wants to imagine having sex with their mom. So it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> Although if your mom looked like Kelly Maroney, maybe you would. I don't know. But but when I uh, I had done a film festival a few weeks before we recorded this story and um, it, I did this panel of women and who make horror films and Kelly Maroney was on there and we had kind of talked on this panel, but you know, not really one-on-one. And so I just DM'd her after it. And I was like, Hey, I have this part in mind. I think you'd be awesome for, and she was super into it and super excited and was like, yeah, let's do it. So she came by the studio and she gets out of her car. I'm waiting for her in the front yard. And she like walks past this like little bird feather on the ground in the grass and picks it up and puts it in her hair. And she's like, Oh, Oh, that's beautiful. And I was like, this woman is so adorable and so cute. I I was in love with her immediately. And uh, yeah, she came in and she's clearly such a pro. She's been around forever. And she just like, she was like, okay, what do you want me to do? Okay, let's try this. What do you need? Okay, now I'm going to play. She played two characters in this, essentially, even though ultimately it was the same person. And she did a lot of different cool voices. And um, yeah, she nailed it. She's she's really got a gift for this type of thing. So. I felt really honored to get to work with her, but also I was just, I'm really proud of the story and how great it ultimately turned out. Tyler got to do some, uh, some acting once again in this one. <laughs> he was very yeah, funny. You know, it's funny because, well, he was excited too when he found out Kelly Maroney was coming. Right? Like, oh, I love my comet. And he was like, that's so awesome. And then I personally feel like this was his best acting role. And I know Spider thinks the same. I think he nailed it, but he thought, he was like offended. He's like, you based this character on me. You're talking about like the sweatpants and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, there was some, there were some elements of him that maybe I incorporated in the story. So as he was reading it, he's like, you son of a bitch. Uh, like he was mad at me. Did he get to, did he get to but, act live with Kelly in the room? No, but he was there. Yeah. Um, he actually engineered the episode. So he was recording it. So it, it helped, I think, because he really knew where to go with it. And, you know, I, I think he does connect to this type of character. I think he's the perfect person to play it, but I was really impressed. I felt like his acting chops were like on point for this one. Oh yeah. Act, act across from Kelly, who's, you know, such a legend is, you know, a big deal. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I, I asked because, you know, I've had the opportunity to do that once reading live against like up against a professional actor, like Bill Mosley on, on a story we'll get to on the other mm-hmm. half of this. And it's intimidating because he's this is a real actor and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And we're reading <laughs> off each other and I'm wondering, is he thinking this sucks? You know, <laughs> you don't know. It's intimidating. It is. No, for sure. I think like, yeah. And the last thing you want to do is be the person who screws up 
one of, you know, these incredible actors stories or their parts. Absolutely. But I think you guys did great in that story too. I, you know, I think you really felt like father and son. Well, thank you very much. And I hope we get to have many more experiences like that reading against other special celebrity guest actors going forward. Cause it, it sure ignites these stories when you, when you can get some of these people involved, it's really, really special. Yeah. I'm excited to get into the second half of the wrap up because some of the guests we had throughout this whole thing have been ridiculous. Like I can't even believe they're really on our podcast in our first season. So it's really exciting. Remember uh, Meryl Streep is on episode. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's season two. Nicole but. Kidman, <laughs> Brad Pitt did a uh, yeah. Him and Tom Cruise did one together. In my head, <laughs> yeah. We actually have the entire cast of Interview with the Vampire coming to do an episode. Yeah, now we're just lying. Like maybe put it out there. Right? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, that was the Bleeders Digest wrap up show for the first half of season one. So, at time of release, we're heading into the new year for 2022. I guess we'll record the other half of this at some point over the holidays and kind of stuff your stocking with it as uh, as it were, if yeah. you're hanging out with us. Yes, absolutely. You can have a, a drink. I feel like this is one of our most controlled because it's not really a post show. It feels a lot more controlled and it. Yeah, we actually insane. have to make sense on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's got to be getting an end because we, we, we vision the end first as you do with the story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we want to wish you happy holidays, happy new year, all that good stuff. If uh, you don't hear us between now and then. And we look forward to season two beginning in January. And in the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Bleeders Digest. That's D-I-E-G-E-S and bleedersdigest.com and it means everything to us if you not only rate the show on Apple but leave a short review if you can it helps us get discovered keeps the episodes coming and we might read your review on an upcoming Bleeders post show and that said I mean we'll see you soon for the second half of the season one wrap up of Bleeders Digest yeah and isn't our sign off going to be for you and Spiders Beards and also Santa (laughs) what is it Bearders Digest Bearders Digest (laughs) Because we're growing beards right now. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a cool thing. I have a lot. I have a lot of work to do to keep up with fire. How how many weeks are you are you in, buddy? Uh, I don't know. It's about a, maybe about a month. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool. it's a, I mean, it's it's gone from almost a beard to a, an actual beard. Yeah, yeah. It's like Santa's beard too. So yeah, we all know what that looks like. And is it there to stay? Do you think? Do you think you're gonna hold on to it? I don't know. For a little bit, we'll see. I think it looks very handsome, but. Some somebody doesn't love it too much, so we'll see. I I think if he's going to keep it, he has to bleach it to match his hair. Oh my god! Because <laughs> <laughs> if he's still that ridiculous, you might as well go for it, right? Well, the 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 official sign off is stay bloody, keep digesting, and as of the last episode, we added horror at you later. Merry Christmas. 